On this episode of the Pack It Up Pod, we recap our big win against the Seattle Seahawks. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter, both at the Packers Pod. And with that, let's go pack. Third down and seven. Rodgers backs up. Adams, touchdown, Green Bay. Welcome back to Adam Spinning Corners Completely Around. Graham definitely got that first down. Smiths and Smith, the baddest boys in town. Receiver glove wearing Seattle fans got a big old frown because Green Bay is going after that NSC crown on the Pack It Up That's right. Boy, that feels good. Oh, it does. This is Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. Hey, hey, hey. Hello again. It feels like just 12 hours ago we were saying goodbye <laughs> in an airport <laughs> at midnight, scrambling to get home. Uh, but first of all, uh, Vegas is a magical place to lose lots of money. Uh, we ended up watching the game at the MGM where we thought there would be a decent amount of Packer fans because they were everywhere. Uh, except for where we were, where I think we were three of the five there surrounded by an entire mass of Seattle fans, which, yeah, it turns out, uh, turns out Vegas is on the West coast. Yeah. (laughs) And we were playing a West coast team. That wasn't fun. And I definitely came into the game being like, I have nothing really against Seattle. Yeah. Whatever. I, I hate their fans. Their fans are beyond annoying in every step of the way. And granted, it might have been just the 15 we were hanging out with, but my Lord, I was, I mean, I was, over, them. I was over them. Praise baby Jesus that they never had the lead because they were <laughs> they were looking for fights the entire game and they were never even winning. It was not a fun environment to be in. Luckily, we had the lead the entire time, but it was one of those environments you're like, just keep looking forward at the TV. Don't make <laughs> eye contact. They're just trying to they're just trying to start something. Don't let it happen. They want a reaction out of us. Oh, it was beautiful, though. <laughs> and then they scattered away at the end like the cockroaches with the lights on. So let's kind of kickstart this podcast with this. I know we all want to win the Super Bowl still. So that's the goal. We want to go into San Francisco and put on a good game. But with this win against Seattle and getting to the NFC Championship, are we content with this season as being considered a success? I want to hear from say- Josh. Yeah, yeah, no, I would say yes. Uh, I, I would say, especially how they came out in this game against Seattle, um, they came out with their A game. Uh, they actually showed people that we can hang with the best, even if they're knocked down a little bit with injuries. Um, you know, it. I, I think it was a great game, and I think it proved a lot for the season. Um, yes, of course, I still think we can win against the San Francisco 49ers. A lot has to go our way, but I would be totally content, you know, if they still play a good game next week. Ryan, I think I am. I I think we've brought it up multiple times. I consider this a rebuilding year of, all right, we got the defense settled. Let's see what we have on offense. We knew within five weeks that this was not the offense we had hoped. So to be 
now the worst 14 and three team in the history of the NFL. I will take it. Uh, knowing fully well that, uh, we have a hell of a schedule next year already, but I, I mean, NFC championship, three losses on the season. I, I, and I love this team. I really, really, really love the players on this team. So I am, I am happy. I'm happy where we're at. Yeah. I've been on record since like week eight or nine, I think where I said a playoff win at home and then we go on the road for the NFC championship and probably don't win. And we were talking with plenty of 49er fans uh, Sunday night before we left for the airport. And we were being pretty honest with them because they they wanted to start trash talking. We're like, uh, we're not quite confident enough to trash talk you guys. <laughs> like, let's let's just let us have this win. And I think the what could really be the heartbreak is if we go in there and we get an early lead or we play super competitive and you feel like we're going to win and then we lose. That'll be that could be heartbreaking. If it's another 38 to seven, then I'm just going to whitewash it and say whatever. We had a great year, uh, but we'll see. We like Josh said, we we have a chance. I, I'm going to build myself up over the next six days to believe we have a chance, and by kickoff, I'm going to be all in on Packers winning. So with that, let's go to back to happier times, which is this win. <laughs> Saturday night. Uh, I think that first half might have been our best half all season. Offense looked absolutely in control. We were moving the ball. Defense, I mean, it, it sounds like a broken record to say Smith and Smith are having a great game. But the the guys just show up. And Zadarius, he might have, like, at least touched Russell maybe 10 to 12 times this game. Like, his numbers, if Russell Wilson wasn't just the most amazing quarterback when it comes to escaping the pocket and the pressure— this easily could have been double-digit sack territory because this defense was absolutely bringing it. So let's start there. Uh, Kevin King probably should have had an interception. Uh, we definitely were scrambling a little bit in the second half, but I think it was just the amount of time that defense was on the field. But that first half was about as perfect as it could have gone. Yeah, for sure. That first half, I loved the game plan on both sides. I mean, they came out with the best game plan. The defense was super aggressive. Um, they played lockdown coverage. I mean, it was it was it was beautiful to watch. Um, the only thing that I was a little worried about, like Fu said, they they sort of lost their gas uh, in the second half. Um, Green Bay was playing on another level in the first half. They were coming faster than I've seen most of the year. Uh, they they had a mission in mind. I'm winning this game and proving a point. Um, and they did, um, but it, they definitely lost some gas at the end of the game. And, and Russell Wilson running back and forth uh, doesn't help that out at all. Oh, my goodness. He is so elusive. And, th- you know, the story of this game was everything we've done well throughout the year as a podcast. We're going to sound like a broken record because they did everything we've done well throughout the entire year. They did very well uh, this week with the addition of their receivers not named Devonte adams were coming up with big catches jimmy graham uh geronimo allison had a big catch some of those that might have been drops or fumbles in previous games in the playoff time they locked it down and they came up with those plays so from the defensive side though i mean the pass rush and the coverage in the secondary and looking at the box score you know tyler lockett goes off nine for 136 but we were all kind of surprised when we saw that number. It didn't feel like he worked us for 136 yards. I think something that has to uh, take credit is the scramble drill defense because Russell Wilson is so elusive. I loved Preston Smith's line about it was like chicken uh, chasing a chicken in a field without a fence. Like you just can't catch the guy, and if you get a hand on him, 
he's he's still getting out of it most of the time. Uh, so all these opportunities where Russell Wilson escapes the pocket, stays behind the line of scrimmage. He ended up running, which we knew was going to be a bit of an issue. He, he had seven for 64 in the rush game. Uh, and quite frankly, kept the minute single-handedly. I'd, I'd hate to see the Seahawks without Russell Wilson because they're probably not a great team. Uh, but the secondary, I mean, huge credit to them to on these ex- extended plays to stay with your guys in a lot of man-to-man coverage when they got athletes like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf out there. Uh, Russell Wilson's completion percentage was pretty good, but we weren't burnt for that like real bad back-breaking type of play. Yeah, and I, I, I think, if, if our defense plays like this next week, I, I have total confidence, you know, and if we get the fumble that actually was a fumble, I mean, like I, <laughs> I have total confidence that we can we can hang with a San Francisco 49ers quarterback of Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, if we can bring that ki- ti- type of heat uh, towards him, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's a total different outcome. Yeah, Garoppolo, I mean, he has legs. He can get out of the pocket, but it's it won't be remotely close to Wilson. Wilson was a magician for half the night. Uh, I, I loved every time they kept giving it to Marshawn Lynch. It was a great story to hear that he kind of tracked down Rodgers after the game so two cow, Cowboys can hang out. But, I mean, two yards a carry, I was not worried about that. And so uh, I think Next Gen Stats had it where Zadarius had – 27% of the snaps were he disrupted plays. Preston was right behind him at 24, which is ridiculous that a quarter of the time those two guys were disrupting plays. Uh, and I think really the only time we got in trouble, as you mentioned, that fumble that definitely should have been a fumble, an interception that should have been caught. We could have this could have been out of control, uh, <laughs> a la Texans in this first half. But mm. I think the real reason that this even became close was. A, time of possession that second half was nearly all Seattle. We started switching over to zone, which emptied, you know, opened up these pockets where I think if we would have stayed closer to man like we had in the first half, I, I think we, we kind of solidify it. But it's just Wilson is such a X factor and there's so much worry about him to the point where there even seemed – I don't know if – it felt like that we weren't shadowing him on some plays, that there was nobody hanging back going, your only job is to stop Wilson because we have no concerns about Lynch and the wide receiver Kuru is fine. But uh, I, I think this probably should have been a more open game, uh, and I don't think the score will dictate necessarily how well this defense played. Yeah, third down defense, Seahawks went three for nine. I mean, that mm-hmm. was really the difference maker because Packers – Packers were nine for 14 in third down, consistently moving the ball. Uh, the fact that the Seahawks could only convert on 33% of their opportunities on third down, that's a statement to the defense. Again, they played a hell of a game. They're going to have to be better next week, though. They're going to have to get the fumble. They're going to have to get the interception. They're going to have mm-hmm. to make a couple plays. Mm-hmm. But with that, let's switch our attention to this Packers offense, who was absolutely clicking in that first half. Uh, Rodgers called it oh, he came back maybe he had called it. he had he probably, had probably about five plays where the throw and ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous jones a little slow but i also think that uh you know he just wasn't having that consistency issues that we talk about all the time and Devonte adams is embarrassing secondaries over the last month i i 
I just laughed. I think we all laughed where he's it, so good. It's just he's so amazing. So uh, and I think that what you brought up is one of the most important stats that I was going to bring up is our third down efficiency this year has not been good. So at one point in time, I think we were at for like nine for 11. Absolutely crushing it. Huge plays on that last drive uh, between Jimmy and Jones and everybody getting open so we can extend it to kind of close it out. But what are we taking away from this offense and can we see it going a next level next week? You know, Finn, Finn brought up in our preview episode of this game, you know, just take what they give us. They were giving us Devontae Adams all day. We didn't have to do anything else. Devontae Adams was open and open consistently. Um, you know, Aaron Jones still had a I, – I, I think it was a very productive day because how they were playing us, they were playing us to stop the run. The linebackers were so close to the line. That's why play action was so successful over the middle in the first half. He could just drop them right over the linebackers with no problem. They were nowhere near the ball or the play. I mean, uh, it, it was a perfect execution of t- – and an example of what Dan said of taking what, what, what they give you. Yeah. I'm interested. We'll cover a little more in our preview at the uh, back half of this week, but I'm interested if the 49ers see that and say, well, we're going to do the opposite and just try to take Devonte away because we, you know, Jimmy Graham made a couple big conversion type catches, uh, but the rest of our receivers were all, you know, one catch. Um, so they came up clutch when they needed to, but Devonte was just, so much fun to watch it. If if you're a hardcore Packer fan, which you must be if you're listening to this podcast, then you've seen the routes already on replay and hitting Twitter and ESPN dissecting them. But was what was evident in those route concepts was Matt LaFleur getting interviewed after the week 17 game. He said, we're going to go do a little self-scouting this first week. And it was so obvious that they had self-scouted and they had added plays and route concepts that built – off of what the other team was going to be expecting. So the Seahawks saw a ton of crossing routes. And then you had this concept where Devontae and the other receiver, I forget who it was, but they fake crossing routes. And as soon as they made the corners commit to adjusting so they don't run into each other, both guys essentially just did a 180 and pivoted back to where they came from. And it opened up another deep shot for Devontae. So that on top of his, you know, he looks like it's a deep cross and he breaks out to the corner for that touchdown. Um, it was obvious that they saw, they went and watched their own film notice their tendencies and they broke them in this game so i hope there's more of that left in the tank because they they freed up guys from the scheme perspective they schemed guys wide open and i just want to give a shout out to this offensive line yeah we heard that balaga wasn't starting i think we had all kind of thought well you know he's not feeling the best he'll come in for certain plays he's just not going to be that every down uh guy this week he didn't play at all, and Veldir absolutely stepped up and completely held his own. I know we were a little worried, is is this the kind of time that Clowney shows up? He had half a sack. He had a few pressures, but overall, Rodgers had time to throw, and it shows on his completion uh, percentage. I mean, this is – damn, they are so good, and it's so fun to watch, especially when Jones had, I think, two or three runs on the – going along the left-hand side, and there were wide-open gaps. I absolutely love this offensive line. I can't say enough good things about them. I didn't think they got enough credit during the broadcast in terms of what they were doing to keep uh, Rodgers in the groove. So shout-out to that, all those boys for just absolutely taking care of business. Shout-out, yeah. Goody. Yeah, for sure. In-season pickups, Valdir and Irvin, like, both of those guys were key mm. to this game. I mean, he only had two touches, but they were for 25 yards. 
uh, two very dynamic plays uh, that they used him in the offense this week. I hope they do it again next week. That guy is dynamic in space. He He's a difference maker and can possibly open up a 40 yard play instantly. Yeah, and props to Valdir with uh, Bulaga down. A story that came out today was that in a in a TV timeout, uh, Aaron Rodgers looked over to Valdir middle of the game, and he goes, "Isn't it crazy? You were retired, and now you're playing in this game." And Valdir broke the news to him. He goes, "I was at your Week One game against the Bears in the stands. He was that oh, nice. He was awesome. he was that retired." <laughs> and flash forward three four months, and he's on the field for us, helping us go to the NFC Championship game. So just a wild pickup by Goot that totally worked out. Especially who would have predicted? You know, the sickness goes through the entire Packers team and knocks out random guys throughout the week. Uh, so depth is always super important. Um, but you know, I want to go back because I said Aaron Rodgers for MVP, and I said called it. This, I think, is the best we get at Aaron Rodgers. And the stats are 16 for 27, 243 yards. So he, he didn't throw 400 yards and six touchdowns. I get that. But if you go look at some of these throws that he made, they highlighted one today. I think it was Dan Orlovsky showed one today on Twitter where Rodgers is looking left and he realizes last second that Jimmy Graham had freed up to the right. And he doesn't adjust his feet. He doesn't adjust his hips. And he sidearms a throw perfectly over the linebacker under the safety right into the only spot where Jimmy Graham could catch it. And he had the exact same kind of throw to Devontae Adams later in the game. Those are special throws that because it's Aaron Rodgers, we're all just like, oh, yep, we picked up a first down. Any other quarterback making those throws, you know, they're getting number one on ESPN for it. So 16 for 27, 243, it's not a dramatic stat line where we're all pounding our chest. But those two touchdowns and just the efficient way that he played that game, that was an MVP for performance from Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and I think other than he had that one real bad throw, I can't think of a Seattle player who absolutely uh, Kevin Kinged it. But uh, there wasn't many bad throws where you're – where you're worrying about, oh my gosh, he's leaving it three yards short. I think the majority of those incompletions are him coming out of the pocket and kind of getting rid of it. It was easily, I thought, his most confident-looking performance this whole season in which he felt like he had the time, he was going to make the adjustments. And like I said, I I think the understated part, too, is Seattle comes out of that second half and scores. And there was a lot of previous weeks that the Packers would have just immediately started hanging on for dear life then. So to score that touchdown, I think right afterwards was an absolutely ginormous drive that I would even put it up there with that final drive to close it out of to respond that early in the second half, mm-hmm. I thought was was something that we hadn't necessarily done much this entire season. And it was a first down. On, yes. the, hey, on, the, <laughs> on the Jimmy Graham piece, talk about self-scouting. Uh, Mercedes Lewis and Jay Sternberger, surprisingly, had more snaps than Jimmy Graham. Do you guys think that made a difference in limiting his snaps, Nick, excuse me, limiting his snaps, making him more effective when he was out there? I, I totally think so. And, and when he was out there, he was out there for a purpose, catch the ball. Um, they're using uh, Sternberger in the blocking. I mean, Foose, you brought it up time and time again, him blocking in space against corners and linebackers. He he's damn good at it. I mean, like there's a reason why he played a little bit more because he was, he was making some key blocks to get Aaron Jones some extra yards. There was one time uh, it was one of, it might've been Jones uh, long 23 yarder that Jones immediately came back to the huddle and patted um, him on the helmet. Like it was known that, yes, the nice. offensive line did well, 
but it was Jace coming through to really kind of get to that next level. And I, I think it was even on uh, Jones's touchdown. He took out two Seahawks in one play to make that make the opening happen. So it's just right. he played amazing. And I, I think that's really, really exciting. I think uh, we had hoped to see more of him this year. It doesn't help that two concussions to kind of kick things off really slowed it down. But I, I love how he played. And I think having Jimmy out there for less snaps uh, makes it makes it just a different look for us, and I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. And speaking of seeing more of this year, everyone's gonna get two more episodes of the Pack It Ooh. Up Packers pod. Choo, 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 Sorry, choo. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we apologize in advance. So that will do it for this episode. I'm I'm very intrigued. Uh, it probably means we have to take a step back into the history of San Francisco versus uh, Packers, which, on for multiple reasons, I'm. Uh, uh, but I do uh, love the fact that the Rodgers clip of him on draft day is now circling around because this will be mm-hmm. the first time they face each other in the playoffs. So that will probably uh, be put into my veins a little too much this week. But until that preview podcast, thanks, everybody. Go Pack Go. Go.